Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book. This is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. Returning to exercise post-birth, however you may birth, is something that should be done with care and in a way that is respectful and supportive to the immense change your body has gone through and the need it has for recovery. Running, however, and its high impact nature is something that needs extra consideration. And the reality is we could damage ourselves if our return to running is not periodized or appropriate to where our bodies are at. This week, I am joined by an amazing guest, a specialist women's health physiotherapist, mum and author of her wonderful book why did no one tell me emma brockwell is a woman on a mission to empower and inform women about the changes taking place in pregnant and postpartum bodies and to support them on a journey to recovery in the right way so welcome emma thanks for joining me i can't hear you (laughs) are you kidding no, I oh, can. I'm so sorry. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely to be back. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of editing work there because you couldn't hear me. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, welcome. And first of all, because you're not going to do it, um, I had to mention your book in your bio because it is awesome and you don't shout about it enough. But for anyone who is pregnant, has had a baby, has a friend who is pregnant, follow through to the episode description and have a wee look at Emma's book because it really is filling a gap that is all those things that no one wants to talk about when it comes to pregnancy and birth. Dear a bit, the title, Why Did No One Tell Me? is because we aren't telling women enough about the changes that happen during and after pregnancy. So it just is an opportunity to sort of have a flick through and see how you can prepare yourself for your pregnancy but also for your postpartum return to life but also to exercise which is quite a nice segue into probably what we're going to talk about today. Definitely and I'm really excited Emma to talk to you specifically about running because I know it's a passion of both of us but 
To start with, why is running perhaps different to other forms of exercise when it comes to the postpartum body? Running is an exercise that looks very easy, but actually is actually quite demanding on our body. It does require a lot of strength from the muscles on the outside of our bodies, but also from the muscles inside of our bodies. And as you know, if you're pregnant or if you've had a baby, your body changes very quickly in a very short space of time. And those muscles that we use for running get lengthened. And regardless of how much you exercise or even run during your pregnancy, those muscles need reconditioning to meet the demands of running. Because when you run, you put a lot of impact, a lot of force through your body, whether you're on a treadmill or running out on the trails. It's a, it's a hard ask on a body. So your body just needs to be prepared for the demands of the run. And in doing so, Hopefully, we're going to reduce any risk of injury musculoskeletally, so hips, knees, and any of your joints, but also on the inside, your pelvic floor and all your pelvic organs. So, yeah, it just asks a lot of us, and we just need to be ready for it. It is unique in that aspect, really, isn't it, in terms of comparing it to something like cycling or swimming or, or even weightlifting. It is that real high impact. And I quite often say to women that their head might feel ready, but their vagina isn't. You know, at four weeks postnatal, regardless of what, what everything's looked like for you, your your vagina, your pelvic floor is not ready for you to do something high impact like running. But why is it so important, Emma, that women do not rush back to running? And I think in a world where we have this horrible, disgusting, bounce back idea and culture, it's a lot of pressure on women. And I think there's that association between running and losing weight. Mm. And quite the, re the reality is that you can run and lose weight, but you can do other exercises and lose weight. And really, when you just had a baby, it's very easy to say this now that I'm seven years postpartum, um, but it shouldn't be your goal to be losing weight straight after having a baby. You know, you want to be really working on nurturing your body and healing it and giving it time to adjust and adapt to the demands of motherhood. And, and I understand that a lot of women will want to lose weight, but social media, the press, puts so much pressure on women to look a particular way. Well, what a load of rubbish. You look the way you look and you look amazing. You've just had a baby. Your body's done an incredible thing. And so you need to allow it time to be ready to run because otherwise... If you did what I did after I had my first baby, uh, I did return to running too soon for two reasons. Um, I was just desperate to run because I love running. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't been able to do that during my pregnancy. And because in all honesty, I did want to look a certain way. I did want to, to know, get my body back, if you like. And I didn't have any reason in my mind not to run. I wasn't, uh, I was just going into the world of pelvic health at the time. So I didn't really understand the reasons behind perhaps why to slow it down. And you know what? I returned to running for six months without any issues. And then six months into it, I developed issues, lots of back pain, a little bit of um, uh, urinary leakage and a little bit of heaviness in my vagina. So I just wish I'd known <laughs> what I know now and that's why I'm very keen on sharing with uh, all women that really you need to take your time respect your body and please 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 don't feel the pressure to just get back on the treadmill or, or head off to the trails too soon because most women's bodies won't be ready for it in those early days definitely I was a complete opposite Emma I um 
didn't rush to return to running. I ran on my due date and Finley was born two days after that. So I was very happy with that because it felt good. And I had guidance from a pelvic health physio throughout pregnancy. So I knew that was a safe thing. It wasn't going to damage my body. And then I, I didn't feel any of that pressure. I sat on the sofa, breastfeeding and eating chocolate hobnobs. And then did started to do lots of kind of strength and you know rebuilding work and then about 16 weeks postpartum that's when I very slowly went back into running and and I, I just wonder Emma whether from from your experience working with women and I know that's the work that you've done looking at returning to running and putting guidance together whether there is any kind of rough time frame that you recommend obviously this is going to be generic because our bodies are all, and our births are also different but a rough kind of time frame when it comes to returning to running or maybe like a window that people can sort of aim for alongside my wonderful amazing uh, friend Gwendy Donnelly and uh, a musculoskeletal physio Tom Goob we wrote some return to running postpartum guidelines you can access them uh, via my website for free um, and within those guidelines, it gives you a rough idea as to when your body might be ready. But from the guidance, a little rumour started occurring that 12 weeks after having a baby, any woman can return to running. And I would just ask that any healthcare fitness professional read the whole guidance before making that assumption. And if you, as a pregnant or postpartum woman reading it, make that assumption, 12 weeks is a very general guide to when we think lots of women will and are ready to return to running, but it's caveated with a lot of things. The big thing is it's an individualized approach. So 12 weeks might very much be the time that you're ready to return to run, but your NCT friends might not be ready to run for another six months. Your other NCT run, uh, friend might have started running, let's say, at eight weeks. So it's all very dependent on the symptoms you're presenting with, if your body's ready, if you are ready. And so, yes, we say 12 weeks, but it's not the magic number. It really isn't. And I and I just want to caveat that because I think too many people are just going, well, oh, great, it's 12 weeks. I'm going to get back to running now. Yeah. And it's, it's not always quite that simple. And lo and behold, you actually might be ready to return a little bit sooner. Um, so you do need, ideally, that expert guidance, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, and we need to make sure that certain symptoms don't exist and that you, your strength is, is there. But ultimately, you can be thinking around about 12 weeks if, if you're feeling good and, and all is looking well. And as much as we don't want to put focus on 12 weeks, what I think is really nice is that we've moved away from this focus on six weeks. You know, women always just say, I'm going to have going to do nothing for six weeks, like literally nothing. And then I'm going to have my six week GP checkup, which might be amazing and fantastic and a really great physical assessment. Most women that I speak to, my own uh, six week checkup included, would say that it falls a little bit short of what we were expecting. Um, and so we have this, I'm gonna have my six week checkup, I've got the all clear, now I'm gonna return to everything that I did before I was even pregnant because I've had that checkup. And so I think that at least if we're focusing on 12 weeks, at least we're not focusing on six weeks because that was a big myth, I think, beforehand very much existed when I had my first baby nearly 10 years ago now I remember vividly going to the GP having had a emergency c-section and desperate to run loads of pain in my c-section scar loads of pain in my back um can I please run now and I was advised very clearly yeah of course you can you know 
with the greatest respect to that GP that saw me, they didn't actually look at me to make that decision. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was very much formulaic. Have your GP check, green light to go, regardless of you, the individual, and how you might be presenting. So, so yeah, it's not to say, oh, you know, now we're switching away from the 12 weeks and, oh, you know, where do I go now? It's just to say that ultimately you will probably need more than six weeks. You may not need quite as much as 12 weeks, but ordinarily most people will need a little bit more than 12 weeks and, and beyond. Yeah, definitely. Or you may just feel too tired and not want to do that. And that's okay exactly. too. Like, I was definitely in that camp. I was like, I just don't want, and I don't know where I'm going to find the time because I can't remember my baby and I've got no childcare. So I'm just going to ditch this pressure because um, there is so much pressure, isn't there? So, so much. So, so Emma, what are some of the signs that mums can look out for if let's say they're, I don't know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, and they've started to return to running? but maybe their body starts to tell them, well, hang on a minute, actually for you, you have returned too soon or too hard, gone out too, you know, too fast, too long. What kind of signs may women start to see? Great and easy sign is pain. If you are experiencing pain anywhere, be it in your back, in your neck, anywhere, that's a sign that your body's saying to, to you, I'm not quite ready yet. Can you please pull back? Of course, pelvic floor, pelvic health is key. So if you are experiencing any signs of urinary leakage, urinary urgency, any fecal leakage or fecal urgency, if you are experiencing lots of dragging or heaviness or bulging in the vaginal area, uh, then that's a really good sign that your body may just not quite be ready yet for, for your run. And, you know, I do think women better at listening to their body you know I try and frame pelvic floor dysfunction as I would any other form of injury if you sprained your ankle highly unlikely that you'd be running around the block because mm. it'd be too painful to do so think of pelvic floor dysfunction in the same way yes a lot of those symptoms may not be painful and yes there are way, maybe ways of masking them by popping in a, a pad um, or wearing black leggings but the reality is if you're experiencing those symptoms, A, your body's telling you it's not yet ready. And B, unfortunately, those symptoms are likely to get worse if you keep running on them. Um, and the beauty is there's so much you can do to resolve those symptoms. It's just knowing that those signs and symptoms are a sign of injury and your body's not yet ready to run. And that's OK. Yeah, and I think where we've probably done all women a disservice for many, 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 many years, Emma, is that if we did sprain our ankle, what would happen is we would have we would have some treatment on the NHS and then we would see a physiotherapist for a, you know, a good a good little bit of time and a good little bit of rehab. And yet we have babies and we're waved off with maybe we're given a little leaflet on do some Kegels and that's about it. Don't get me started on this because it just drives me insane that we even consider pelvic floor dysfunction um, as something that we should just mask up and cover up or pad up. You know, it's sorry, no, that's just not okay. If you're leaking urine, it sucks. You know, it's horrible. It smells, it feels uncomfortable, it can cause a lot of embarrassment. And ultimately, it leads to a lot of women retracting from exercise it becomes a barrier to exercise so yes we do exactly need to think of everything they've had a baby requiring in my opinion 
physiotherapy, pelvic health physiotherapy. And the reason for that is whether or not you've got any signs or symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction or any pain, you have just been through a major life-changing event. Yes. And for us to just say to you, well, congratulations, that's wonderful. I'm delighted your baby's well. I'm delighted you're generally feeling well. But actually, we need to address those changes that have occurred for the past nine months before we then, you know, not just get you back to running, but any form of, of life or living. We really should be nurturing and rehabilitating all those muscular and bodily changes so that you can continue into your 90s and 100s, you know, pelvic floor or without any pelvic floor issues or any sort of form of dysfunction. So it, it drives me insane because so many women won't have these symptoms after having a baby. And I'm delighted by that. But the reality is once we hit the perimenopausal years, yeah. there's a chance that you'll develop those symptoms because we haven't addressed those bodily changes that have occurred. And that's just not okay. It really isn't. Yeah. Oh, Emma, totally echo everything you have just said. Absolutely. And I think, I think even if we think of a woman who is symptom free, has a very uncomplicated pregnancy, a very straightforward birth, vaginally, even without any tearing, like as textbook, simple, plain as it could be, that woman's body has still undergone such massive change in pregnancy. All your organs are relocated. You know, that pelvic floor is stretched and weakened and we, and we can't get away from that, even if everything's straightforward. And then for the most people, there are some issues, you know, whether that is they've had some pelvic pain in pregnancy or they've had some tearing or they've had a cesarean section, whatever else may have happened to that woman. So that woman's got even more chance of there being some issues, whether those symptoms display now or later on. And the only way of us figuring that out is through pelvic health physiotherapy, isn't it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I just, I just wish it was something that was offered to every single woman. And, I, you know, I, I get it. Dream. It's, the dream. it's the dream. The NHS has huge demands on it. Um, I would definitely say, and as per the nice guidance around pelvic floor dysfunction, that if you have had a third or fourth degree uh, perineal tear um, during childbirth, if you have had forceps delivery, and I think I'm right in saying, but please don't quote me, if you have any uh, family history of pelvic floor dysfunction, then in truth, you are entitled to see a pelvic health physiotherapist. Um, and if you have any form of pelvic floor dysfunction, you are entitled to see a pelvic health physiotherapist. But if you haven't got any of those issues or any of those things I've just flagged, um, you can still ask your GP if you can be referred to see a pelvic health physiotherapist. You may just have to wait. And that's the biggest issue. Yeah. You know, we're talking about these magic numbers. And yet, unfortunately, because of how where we're at with the NHS, getting to see a pelvic health physiotherapist in the NHS can take months and months mm. and months. And then you're so not of course, pregnant anymore. <laughs> I know. And it's just, <clears throat> it's just so hard, isn't it? And I think... I don't know what we do. There's not enough pelvic health physiotherapists to go around. There's certainly not enough availability on the NHS and not everyone can afford private 
care you know I'm private and not everyone can come come and afford to see someone like me so it's very difficult and that is why of course we wrote the guidance for women who just simply cannot see a pelvic health physiotherapist and if they are symptom free and if they are comfortable that they're hitting some of the little tests that we put within the guidance around uh, muscular strength then obviously sensibly returning to running using a walk run program and listening to your body throughout is is really helpful um, and if those symptoms come along then that is where you're going to have to just tap on your gp shoulder and say please refer me to a pelvic health physio because something's not right and i'm not prepared to live with it yeah definitely and for anyone listening who's thinking you know i'm i don't tick those boxes for nhs i don't really want to wait months and months and months what does the private route look like actually you're a, a private physio health checkup is probably about a third of the cost of your pram so it might be that there are ways that actually in your pregnancy you can factor in the cost of that either in ideally in pregnancy and postnatally but if not that kind of six to eight week postnatal time is a really great time scale to think about seeing somebody and that might be you know someone says what do you want for your baby shower and rather than like a thousand baby grows um you say actually i'd really like this checkup that's something for me everyone forgets about the mum in the whole newborn bubble and um, so it may be that that's that's an option for you but it's definitely something to think about and consider if you are have any means of being able to get it it's really really worthwhile friends and husbands and partners who you know request a gift voucher from me to give to their to their wife or partner and I think it's a you know it's a I think it's a great present it's not very glamorous having that assessment not much Um, childbirth and motherhood is Emma we're past glamour at that point it's not sadly but you know what probably for the cost of oh, I don't know, two manicures or a pedicure, two pet pedicures, you could have a pelvic health assessment. And just that sense of peace of mind is, is great. And those, those, those options to know how to rehabilitate your body, your way, in the right way, is so, so important. So important. We've done ourselves such a disservice over the years, I think. So we talked a little bit about prior to return to run because obviously what we don't want to do is sit on the sofa for for 10 12 16 weeks and then decide one day this is today i'm going to get up and run 10k thank you very much what should that interim period kind of look like roughly emma what we're not saying is wait we are saying as soon as you've had your baby and you feel comfortable then you can start getting physically active and exercise. So that can include lovely walks, that can include uh, some gentle pelvic floor exercises, really low level abdominal exercises, low level Pilates in those initial few weeks. And again, if you go onto my website, you can download a free um, infographic to give you roughly an idea of the exercises that you can introduce for the first 12 weeks after you've had your baby. Uh, you can start thinking about yoga. You can start thinking about low impact exercise like cycling or spinning when you feel that your perineum is ready and when you feel ready. Again, your ho- the whole time you're saying to yourself, am I experiencing any of those symptoms that I've just discussed around your pelvic floor and any pain when you're even doing those low impact exercises? You can start doing some low impact exercise classes. There's loads of amazing postnatal fitness professionals out there now doing some incredible classes weights are a big thing you are a mum you are someone that is lifting a heavy weight every couple of minutes throughout your day as soon as you've had your baby Um, and it's not just your baby it's all the equipment as well so the stronger you can get 
with your exercise, that's going to obviously match the demands that your general life is asking already. So don't be afraid to introduce weights and strength and conditioning very, very soon within the first couple of weeks, really. Um, and you've got to think about a return to run as building your foundations. So you're trying to build those foundations to get you back to that high impact exercise. Um, and of course, doing exercises like swimming, cross training to get your cardiovascular system working again. All of those things, so long as you're symptom free, are very much a precursor to your return to run. And then before you return to run, you want to think about how am I going to do that? So obviously, I'm not going to say, right, great, you've had your 12 weeks pace now, so you've got no symptoms, feeling great, ready to go, now go and run for 5k. Because that is hugely demanding on anyone's body and you are likely to struggle and eventually injure. So you want to gradually pace back. So I generally encourage women to consider returning to run with a uh, walk run program, perhaps the, couch, the NHS couch to 5k or the BBC couch to 5k two or three times a week, making sure that they're not you're not running on consecutive days, um, just introducing your body back to the rhythm of running so that within eight to nine weeks, you're back to running a 5k. And then from your 5k, you can progress to your further distances if that interests you and if you've got the time. But you can see it's a real gradual climb up the hill to running. Um, it's not just, a, as you say, right, great, 12 weeks, I'm, I'm going, I'm off. We're off. Um, <laughs> because it's too much of an ask on your body, it really is. Mm, definitely. And then um, that just leaves me, Emma. So once we are back to running solo, when it comes to running with a buggy, because that's a lot for a lot of mums, me included, that's our way to run, right? Is with our little one. But that's a massive load to add, isn't it? And a different kind of postural change. So when would you sort of think about introducing running with the buggy and the baby? because it's so individualized to the person I'm speaking to so the reality is some mums simply can't go out for a run unless they start with the buggy and I would ideally like for you to complete your, your, your couch to 5k so about eight or nine weeks and then I always try and encourage you to return back to your week zero on your couch to 5k and progress back to buggy running mm. um, from there because as you say, it changes your posture. It's a huge demand. It's a huge weight on your system. Um, and also we've got to think about baby. You know, babies really shouldn't be running in a buggy until they're six months so that their backs, their necks are well supported. Um, and most running buggies won't cater for baby until they're six months. And that kind of fits quite nicely where we're thinking, if you're roughly returning at 12 weeks, roughly, um, and then you've got a rough nine week walk to run program, you're starting to tip into that six months there. Um, but you, you've got to have a buggy that suits baby, that's designed for running um, so that you and baby are safe. And, and really, you know, I know that they're an expense, but I remember getting mine cheap off eBay. And, you know, you don't, I don't know, would I buy a brand new one? Yes, if I had loads of money. Um, but if, if but I wouldn't be shy of buying a secondhand one because actually, Lots of people don't use them for that long. Yeah. So, so they almost feel as good as new when you buy them. But I think they're an awesome adjunct to allow women to run. But I do think you need a little bit more than just the 12 weeks before before you introduce them into your, into your routine. 
Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I think that's really important because like you say, for a lot of women, that is the only way they're going to return to run. Um, so having that that little bit of extra awareness is really important. And that's where that strength training really comes into play as well, doesn't it? In terms of being able to manage that load on top of the kind of load of running, if you like. Um, so when it comes to testing, Emma, our kind of readiness to run, I know that your guidance has got some info on this if anyone wants to read a little bit more on your website. But are there any kind of little tests or checks that you could describe for us now that kind of allow us just to just to test how ready our bodies may be when we start to approach that 12 week mark? Or ask yourself if you're experiencing any of the symptoms that I've just gone through. And if you are, then that's automatically a sign you're not quite ready. Then you want to think about the outside muscles. OK, so. Is your tummy strong enough? Is your bottom strong enough? Is your Are your calf muscles strong enough? Have you got enough movement in your thoracic spine? So on the guidance, you'll see some little strength tests. So we suggest, can you do calf raises? Can you do uh, single leg bridges? Can you jump 10 times on the spot without experiencing any pain, any form of pelvic floor dysfunction? Can you hop 10 times on both legs comfortably? Have you got good balance? Can you stand on one leg? for a minute without wobbling all over the place. Um, can you jog on the spot for a minute? If you can do those things and more as per the guidance, then that's a really good sign that the muscles on the outside and the muscles on the inside are probably ready for a little bit of impact. Um, but as I say, I would just download that, that really simple document. You don't even have to download it, you can, just, you can just scroll through it and just literally watch those exercises. We've got some videos attached on them. Um, on the YouTube channel, channel as well, Return to Running Postnatal Guidelines. Uh, we've got a little YouTube channel with the exercises on as well. And I think Gronya on her absolute.physio.co.uk, I think it might be .com, she's got other little exercises on there as well. So, so have a look and see if your body can meet those demands. If it can, great, then give the Couch to 5K a go and I'm sure it'll be hugely successful for you. Yeah, definitely. And that that running and hopping, or the, sorry, the jumping and hopping is really important. I think we often forget with running, it isn't just a faster version of walking. You are literally jumping from one leg to the other. So it's a single leg jump essentially on repeat for a prolonged period of time. So we need to sort of scale back and check we can do those movements in isolation before we then go out and hit and hit the roads essentially. Um, my uh, The other thing I wanted to just uh, kind of highlight that you just spoke about there, Emma, was the the fact that we need to be not just testing our bodies, but strengthening them. Because in pregnancy, I think we often overlook the fact that all of our posterior chain muscles, so our bum being one of those, our glutes, kind of switch off a little bit because of that front load and that, that postural change. So we end up in this place where we've naturally got quite weak glutes, which most of us in reality have got anyway, because of the modern day lifestyle. We then add pregnancy to that. We then sit on the sofa feeding a baby, sleep deprived, and then we throw ourselves on the road. So it's just really highlighting what you mentioned in terms of that testing and that strengthening, seeing that as an essential part of running. And we know, don't we, like prehab and rehab is so boring. It's so boring, but, um. But really important. It is. it is really important. And I think if you just look at your your general runner, runners, I think it's 75% of runners every year will experience an injury, wow. hip and knee predominantly, and or ankle. And that is mainly because we spend loads of the day sitting at our desks. And then we think, great, I'm going to go for a 10K run now. And I have got so many runners and runner friends who just run. They don't strengthen 
chain. And lo and behold, they injure quite a lot. So the research is clearly showing us whether or not you're pregnant or postnatal, we should be strength training when we're running. And I mean like three or four times a week. And it's taken me a long time to get my head around that because I don't love strength and conditioning or I didn't think I did. But actually, as I've got that little bit older, I love the balance of I strength train three times a week now and I run twice a week. I once upon a time used to run just six times a week, which I now look back and think, my God, how did my body do that? Well, it did it because it was I was younger and now I'm older. It can't cope with that. But actually, the demands that, you're, that running asks of your body, you do need that strength. So, you know, even if you're listening and haven't had a baby and have no intention of having a baby, please think about the strength and conditioning. And I think you have a program, don't you, that really emphasizes the, the importance of, of, of S&C, essentially. Yeah, and the thing that I love about S&C, I mean, I, I was like you, ran, 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 that was all I did, got injured, had hip surgery, realized that S&C might be quite a clever thing to start doing. Um, Handily, actually married someone who is very involved in that area of work, which is quite useful, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, but actually, having become a mum, what I've realised is S and C is the easiest thing to fit in around mum life. Like that 20, 30 minutes during that time, you can get a lot of really good, high quality work in if you know what you're doing and you're working with somebody. Um, in a way that running becomes a bit more of a barrier. So actually, for mums, it becomes a really great way of meeting those physical activity needs and reducing our risk of injury. So I have developed an even bigger love for it since having my little boy, for sure. Because when I had my first baby 10 years ago, in truth, there really wasn't the access to online exercise. You know, I, for, for all of the, the harm that COVID has done, and there's been a lot, one of the silver linings of it has been that there's been a lot more online programs. People like yourself have created them. Some amazing postnatal fitness uh, professionals who purely do that yeah. have also created them. And women now have the ability to do the exercise alongside baby when baby's on the play mat or baby's having a nap. Oh my God, I didn't have that. I had the option of um, things like buggy fit, which were great, but I'd always have to take Oscar, my eldest, with me. And he had this incredible ability just to screen his head off throughout the whole hour. <laughs> very relaxing. So just, very relaxing. So I'd spend the whole time holding a weight, but holding him and not really exercising. Whereas nowadays, if I were to have another baby, oh my gosh, it would be so different because I'd have that half an hour where I could probably make it work and almost like exercise snacking. You know, even if I couldn't get the whole program into that half an hour, I could see 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And I would be the strongest mum in town. Um, so, so, you know, I do think women have many more options now. Um, and I get the drive to run. I get the need for so many of us to want to run. But it's not always the right solution um, to achieve the goals that we want to achieve. So, you know, I would totally embrace strength and conditioning. I think I think it's wonderful. And I think it's, it's actually quite an exciting area that's becoming more and more developed so yeah I love it I think it's very important for all of us especially as we get older yeah oh my gosh especially as we get older. I mean James is going to love that snippet guaranteed that'll be uh that'll be shared on social media Emma um can, can I finish our episode with asking you for three top tips for any mums listening to us now that are either approaching their birth or had their babies and just want three top take-home tips for returning to running post-birth my first would be in an ideal world see a pelvic health physiotherapist yes, yes, yes definitely you know six weeks and beyond after you've had your baby that's the gold standard in my opinion mm -hmm. 
my other my other or my second tip would be please listen to your body if you are experiencing any form of pelvic floor dysfunction i.e urinary leakage or pain your body is not yet ready to return to run and that's okay it will be but you just need a little bit more time and potentially a little bit more strength and rehabilitation and my third tip would be when you do return to run please just don't start running please do consider a walk run program so that your body has time to adapt and meet the demands that running is going to ask of it that's it oh emma you are a star as always thank you so much it's been awesome to chat and make sure you head to that episode description and have a little look at emma's book and instagram page for more info on all things pelvic health which is really important and really undiscussed so thanks for lifting the lid as always emma before you head off i just need to tell you something 68 percent of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button so can you do me a favor if you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now it makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes the bigger the podcast the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon.